0: Right. Okay. So just to give you a brief rundown on who we are, my name is Jordan and we've got Tamiris. We've got Bruna and we are joined today by a very special guest who until approximately 10 minutes ago had absolutely no idea that he would be doing this with us. But he is someone who is ridiculously well known amongst libertarian circles and someone who has really spent an awful long time with skinning the game, trying to further the course of liberty. So, can we just have a round of applause for you, Mr. Brian Micklethwaite. Right, okay. So, the topic that we're going to be talking about today is freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is a really important issue for libertarians, particularly at the moment, with all the stuff that's going on, not just in America and in Canada. But over here in the UK as well with some recent developments and we're going to be talking about all that kind of stuff. So we are going to start with why is this an important topic? Why you know have we decided to do a podcast about freedom of speech and not some other issue that applies to libertarians? So there's been lots and lots of podcasts about freedom of speech about certain or rather certain people speaking. This When I was doing my undergraduate degree, university, as opposed to somewhere else, I I was very much kind of the opinion that people disagree on just economics and that's kind of it. Some people might might be genuine racists, but growing up when I did, I, I genuinely thought that the debate about free speech was settled. I thought that no matter who you are, if you're on the left, you like free speech. If you're on the right, you like free speech. I I really, growing up, had very little idea that free, free speech was even something that people wanted to talk about. I thought it was kind of a done deal in terms of the ideologies that were around. But over the past four or five years, it seems that this has actually become a real issue. Now, I know that you guys know a lot more about this than I do. But the first time I ever saw freedom of speech really, really under attack was when I saw this Canadian professor called Jordan Peterson and he was trying to talk about something to do about gender pronouns and I was like, why are people arguing about gender pronouns? Little did I know kind of what the situation was going to be like today with regards to that. This is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And I saw all these students with kind of crazy hair and lots of tattoos saying, you should show up. You, you don't deserve to speak. Your opinion isn't valid. And that really struck me, because growing up, the people, you know, I used to listen to kind of punk rock and heavy metal growing up. The people with the bright hair and the tattoos, they were kind of my people. I was quite shocked to be like, all of a sudden, these aren't my people. These are people that are very, very different.
1: And the infringement on uh, freedom of speech is even worse in this case, because it's not uh, telling someone not to say something. It is actually forcing someone to say something, which yeah. is even worse. That's that's his point, right? Because he's not saying. Well, sometimes he says things that upset people. But the the problem with the, the main problem with Jordan Peterson was that he was not uh, uh, pandering to the people that wanted to wanted everyone to use these weird gender pronouns like uh, "zimzer." <laughs> yeah, it's it's an actual thing it's happening especially in Canada and now it 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 is backed by Bill 16 that passed and it is uh, an an actual human right so in in Canada if you if 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 a
0: six foot tall bodybuilder man comes up to me and tells me that I have to call him she if I don't do that do I actually get do I actually stand a chance of being prosecuted in theory yes
2: Wow. According to Cana- the Canadian law, this would only apply to governmental institutions to begin with. Oh so right. The okay. C sixteen applies to government government institutions only. Wow. Uh, however, it says you wouldn't be in jail. You would get um, community service, educational videos, and a fine, which is where Jordan Peterson jumps in and says, "What happens if I don't pay the fine?"
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: there is an ultimate threat to the person's liberty if they don't pay this fine. Let's say, what happens? Does the police come in? You know, do they take me by force? Do they take my my goods or, you know, impound them or something like that? So I think that that's very important to note that when people pass these laws with fines, Mm -hmm. as oh, no, there's no jail time. It's okay. You know, you just pay a a fine and you're good to go. It's not like that. Yeah. If you're mandated to pay something by the government and you don't pay, and you go arrested, then the the final penalty is jail, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I,
2: I think that's a very valid point yeah. that he made. What what happens if I don't pay the fine?
0: Yeah, I mean one of the crazy things about this whole free speech thing is that I found myself, buddy off looking in a more favorable light at people who I previously would just have a I just thought you are nothing to do with me. I don't agree with you. I remember this is a long, long time ago. Now, watching Question Time back when I used back when Question Time used to have some kind of semblance of serious discussion, as opposed to people just shouting and waving their cocks around and trying to best each other on live TV. I, I there was this fella on there, and I was like, "Who the hell is Milo Yiannopoulos?" and <laughs> I was like, this guy's crazy. Like, he's saying that black people are less intelligent than white people. He's saying that, like, on statistics, like, Asian people are likely to be Islamic fundamentalists. I was like, who is this wacker?" And then over the course of the next few years, it was like, well, actually, this guy is at least pushing the boundaries. And he's standing up for freedom of speech. Even if I agree with him on nothing else, at least he's got this thing that is freedom of speech and he's actually standing up there for it
3: he's actually standing
0: up for it the
2: fact that he himself is a a jewish gay person yeah yeah from the uk to the us and made a living on you know just causing trouble (laughs) advocating free speech on the way Uh, it makes uh, him immune to the left yeah because they can't really attack him yeah they're, they have their hands tied. They do attack him, mind you. They, they have, you know, caused many um, cases of police having to be involved riot control. Like um, in, I, I think it was.
0: Um, was it Berkeley? Was Berkeley? Yeah, yeah I was yes. just going to mention that.
2: The I remember
0: seeing on YouTube. The, uh, it just was like protest against speaker, and I was thinking to myself, how angry can people be over a speaker? Like, I, I, I thought you're very just going to be like a few old ladies out there saying, you know, this person shouldn't be speaking. It was carnage. There was people turning over cars, setting fires. I was thinking, this is... And that's probably when it dawned on me that this actually is a serious problem. It is like, a very there, serious problem. There are lots and lots of people who actually just want to shut people up. And that's why this is an important issue to talk
1: about. Yeah, I think nowadays people are learning that more than ever ideas are really powerful so if if you let someone speak and you let them push them agenda their agenda forward you're giving them power or you're l- allowing them to get more power right yeah
4: can i break in there and say yeah that yeah part? absolutely i was going to say just what bruno said in a kind of backhanded compliment way first of all can i say i'm very delighted to be here. Yes, thank yeah, you no, d- delighted to have you. Second, I'm in favour of free speech. Just in case you're wondering, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> there is one point where I do agree with the anti-free speech people, which is that they take ideas seriously, which is just what you've said. Um, yeah. And it's it's almost the lowest form of acknowledgement of the power of words and of ideas. One of the reasons why universities are such a focus of these arguments is that universities, by their nature, attract people who think that ideas matter. Mm. And one of the reasons why the world outside of universities is a relatively relaxed place when it comes to freedom of speech is because it contains a great many people who think that ideas and words don't matter. They're just something you do when you're drunk or, you know, to pass the time. Yeah. And in that sense, I agree with the people protesting against Jordan Peterson's freedom of speech. They know that if he gets a, an extended run spouting off, he, he,
0: he's going to make... Waves and, and but, have influence, but I remember a few. I can't remember what it was. Someone here at Libertarian Home did a really, really good talk on mm-hmm. how the left has changed. Like he said that he got into student politics and he was all Lenin and Trotsky and Mao and that kind of stuff.
3: Was it the computing guy, the one who um, uh, is that the one you think of, the one who was
0: potentially potentially? But yeah. he was saying that there's been a real change in the left. Would you agree with that? Would, do you think definitely. that the left itself In has all changed? kinds
4: of ways, the left has changed. In the, it, I mean, I, I didn't literally live during the 1930s, but my father did, and I inherited a whole lot of cheap paperbacks from that time, Penguin Book Club or whatever they yeah, were. Yeah. And every, every socialist, every communist, just exuded confidence and optimism. Progress was a great thing, and they were going to do it even more than the capitalists were doing it. They had great faith in their powers of persuasion. They believed that if they had freedom of speech and everybody else did, they'd have an argument and they'd win it. Uh, that was that was the feeling that that, that these books exuded.
0: Yeah, and that yeah. has
4: completely changed. I, I would say that the libertarian team is is much more like that now. We, yeah. we have we give off that atmosphere of believing that if if we if we're just allowed to have an argument. Then we're going to do well. Yeah, we're going yeah. to give a
0: good account. We of just it. need uh, like a libertarian Lenin. Well,
4: right? we need about <laughs> point, We need about a hundred times more people. That would stuff. <laughs> that would absolutely uh, definitely, and on, definitely uh, help. On the other <laughs> side sweet. of their
1: argument, if you if you let people speak and they have bad ideas. You could just be confident that they will lose as well. Well, yeah, what right? happens not That doesn't, that doesn't not happen be, on their case. That,
4: that may doesn't. not be so. I mean, I'm totally in favor of free speech, especially for, let's say, Islamic fundamentalists who argue that the Quran urges them to be terrorists. That's a bit of a simplification. Uh, I personally agree with them. I think that's correct. I think it does. And I'm very glad that I've heard them put that argument and I'm very glad also that I've lived at a time where people who, if they could, would have opposed this, namely moderate Muslims, they would have put a very strong argument against that proposition if they had such an argument. And I believe that the silence of these people is not because they've been suppressed, not because they've been ignored by the BBC, it's because they've not got anything that they can plausibly say. No. It's just too powerful an argument that what the Quran says is that you should go out and make as much trouble for infidels yes. as you possibly can. Well, um, the conclusion I draw from that equation, of course, is a little bit different. I think the answer is yeah. to stop being a Muslim. No. But that, I, I'm very glad that I've watched that argument take place. I think it would have been much more dangerous for the,
0: for the world in the longer run if
4: Islamic <laughs> fundamentalists were forbidden to say what they believe.
0: Yeah I mean I remember this is kind of going from Islam- islamic fundamentalism to running a small um, sweet shop which is a, a very very um, obvious link but I remember when I was a student I got involved in student politics not not even in a not even in a kind of overt way I was just in charge of the rock and heavy metal society which on a kind of segue the chancellor of the university came up to me and said it's fantastic that students are actually interested in geology, thinking that rock and heavy metal actually meant rocks <laughs> and heavy metals, and we just spend all our time looking at precious stones or whatever. But um, because I was in that role, I, I was I had a seat on the student council for my university, and there was a de- they they were debating whether or not well debating is a strong word they were essentially passing the pre already approved motion that. The university sweet shop should stop selling Nestle products because Nestle is an evil company that leeches off the blood of children. And I was sat in a room of about 150 students and they said, does anyone object to this idea? And I put my hand up and they said, well, before we hear any objections, we are just going to have a short break. And the woman who managed the student union, who, by the way, had a portrait of Chairman Mao over her desk in the university, how she was allowed to have been a student welfare officer as a Maoist. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe she thought that students should make steel in their back gardens or something like that. But she said uh, it'd be easier. Heavy if- metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's true heavy metal. She thought that it'd just be easier if you didn't say anything. And I thought, well, that's outrageous. But at the time, I was just like, right, whatever, I'm not going to fight about it. But we are coming to the end of this segment, and it probably should be mentioned that one of the big reasons that we're talking about this is what's not just happened in America, but what's happened in Britain. And regarding... The the first time I was like, okay, we have a problem in the UK, was when Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is a man who I have a complicated relationship with, not in the (laughs) sense that... Not, not, not in that sense. <laughs> Although he has like what nine kids, so I'm sure that he's very, very competent in that area. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounded completely. I wrong really hope that right. he doesn't <laughs> listen to this thinking, oh, just of liberty. It, it is I wonder disgusting. if he they... must stop at once. <laughs> I know I wonder. <laughs> and um, stop uh, talking. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, Mrs. Stop. Mog. Mrs. <laughs> Please, Mog. Um, and they protested his talk. And on Twitter, everyone was saying, yeah, fantastic, we're going to protest this talk. And then what happened at King's College happened. And that was just outrageous. If you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, what happened at King's College? Did they get a new cafe or something? Uh, a group of libertarian students tried to hold a talk between Yaron Brook and a YouTuber called Sargon of a Cat. And these anti-fascist protesters came in and essentially shut down the event they had smoke bombs and they threatened to shut down the event before it happened and then lo and behold they came in and they actually shut down the event and it was really quite worrying the uh, I'm not going to use this word liberally but cowardice really of the university and standing up <coughs> to them it was really an eye opener
2: yeah I think as you were saying as you are coming up um, up to the end of the, the section. I think the, the real important point of freedom of speech for libertarians is that this is the beginning. This is where they start taking our freedom. So if if we start letting go of what we can say or what we cannot say, that's just the start of a slippery slope that's not going to stop until all your individual liberties are gone. Yeah.
0: yeah, the amount of people that supported it, though, really, really struck me. Uh, the amount of people who, you know, whatever their face you know their twitter handle is like kill all business owner pigs or fucking like you know something like their twitter icon is you know the queen hanging from a lamppost or something like libertarian that. Is so, yeah 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 exactly so what i'm gonna do now is we are now gonna open it up to the audience now if you have a question please do wait for simon to shove his phone in your face
5: can i go first <laughs> yes post privilege yeah. uh, well I found it interesting that, that that wasn't the twitter handle of the people that invited Antifa no the twitter handle or the facebook handle of the people that invited Antifa was justice for cleaners justice for cleaners justice for cleaners, justice for cleaners. Wow. apparently the cleaners yeah. are an oppressed minority really, yeah that, that's
0: the fascist thing at the moment that's like the trendy cool thing that they, they um yeah, so, yeah, that's the trendy, cool thing, that they don't just stand up for the workers here in the UK, they stand up for the workers that aren't citizens of the UK. Right, so anyway, let's take some questions.
5: I, I just received a correction that it was the SOAS, Justice for Cleaners. Oh, it's the SOAS, Justice, Justice for, for Cleaners. Right, okay, fantastic. Um, right, next question. <laughs>
6: uh, so Chairman Mao was mentioned, and recently in a pub, I saw a picture of Chairman Mao, and I complained, saying that it's... Uh, yeah, it's really annoying that you have a don't to hang a Hitler sort of thing and so was I oppressing someone's
1: freedom of speech well, not at all not at all uh, they, they have the right to put up the, the picture and you have the right to say you don't like that and you have a, an even more important right not to uh, be there just boycott it don't don't uh, give audience to it yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think if you um, produced a shotgun from your jacket and Said, I'm going to start, you know, firing this off unless you take down the picture. Then that well, I'm assuming you didn't do that. But I think if you if you started threatening violence, then unless they took it down, I think that would be, you know, you have a right, to, like Bruno said, you have a right to complain. But they also have a right to tell you to get stuffed. Which I hope they didn't do. What what did they say? Just out of interest? Uh, they were they
1: were surprised. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? So I he explained said, why I know, think man. you know he murdered millions of people. And how I feel this is offensive—that you know you're putting this face in front of me as a as your patron. And they, well, okay, well, pass it on to the owner. Oh right, okay. They probably have no idea. It's yeah, yeah, they probably have no idea.
0: Right? Does anyone else have a question just before we move on? So yeah, go on. Uh,
7: can I please the uh, devil advocate if you don't mind? I mean, it's your show. I don't good. want to. No, do no, no, do no, but by all means. <laughs> means. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I am genuinely not for freedom of speech. I don't share the tip madness. Don't I'm not asking you to call me she. Uh, but for me, the main problem for the left is not that they attack freedom of speech, it's that what they defend is madness. I mean, if a man is man, don't care a woman. For me, every speech is not free, every speech is regulated. Like the most extreme libertarian, the anarchists, were it say it's regulated into a property law. It is his power. There is Mao, it is his place, it chooses what to do with it. There is regulation on it. So for me, the problem is not that it's free speech, it's that. They're evil, they're crazy, they're madmen. I I think
2: that the main point to make is that having the freedom to speak whatever you want does not make you free from the consequences. Mm. So you don't need the government to punish you. You have a society, you have your family, you have yourself. So if you're speaking about something that is not right, or is undignifying, incorrect and immoral, you will be punished. Mm. But it doesn't need to be by the government. I think that's the main point the freedom of speech needs to have uh, made about is that you're not free from the consequences. You can say whatever you want, but you also hear things that other people want to say and you face consequences that you might not want to. I yeah. Think that's the main right. point. So,
0: okay. what I think we would do is before, instead of, um, because we are, sort of, time is inexorably moving forward. So, again, if you have any further objections, if we save it till the end, and then maybe we can have a, you know, some kind of like a dose of extra liberty, extra or something, you yeah, go on, Simon. One more. Would we uh, yeah, okay.
6: Sorry. Um, possibly asking to square a circle, but just regarding freedom of speech, obviously, yes, freedom. It's how do we square it with online platforms such as Twitter, who have obviously permanently suspended the likes of Milo and several others. Whereas yes, it's their platform, it's their entirely their right to actually have to allow to say who can or can't speak on that platform. But on the other hand, they're also pretty much a monopoly because no, no relevant competitors really emerged. So on that basis that monopoly closing, mon- monopoly is therefore closing down the freedom of speech of these people, how do you square the circle between it being between those two positions? Yeah.
4: Well, I think the interesting phrase you used there was pretty much. In other, in other words, if I may translate rather abusively, not. Not a monopoly actually. Uh, and one of the reasons why Twitter continues to be to be talked of as a monopoly is that it retains its quality as a town square. It, yes, it has lots of sort of bully boys wandering around chucking people out that it doesn't like, but there are an awful lot of people that Twitter doesn't like, which they nevertheless allow to carry on tweeting, the supreme example being President Trump whom they would ban in a blink if they thought it would be... They could do it without their share price plummeting into the into the ground. Um, so in other words, th- these social media platforms, and they have a dilemma. They have their own political prejudices, but they want to retain that monopoly feel that they now have. As soon as they forfeit that, then other platforms will emerge.
1: Yeah, and if any of those allow for a big slip, like really losing popularity, it's going to be like a cascade effect and they are going to lose their quote-unquote monopoly in no time. Yeah,
0: I mean, other platforms are already emerging.
1: Yeah. Right, so what
0: we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the kind of second chunk of our podcast, which is we're going to talk about why freedom of speech is in itself an important thing. On the way here to doing this, I was kind of reading my... Hayek book which is you know is a good libertarian obviously I read Hayek every single night before I go to bed and he was talking about how ideas or the freedom to express new ideas is really the lifeblood that keeps society going if you don't have new ideas then how is society going to progress you need people to be able to say well actually you know this is wrong let's try this and if it fails it fails but how do you know it's going to fail if you've never tried it So freedom of speech has a certain utility in that sense, not that it is justified just because of its utility, but it is incredibly useful. I'm finding it hard to think of societies that have progressed inexorably without some measure of freedom of speech. If you think about the societies that have gone the furthest to put a dampener on freedom of speech, they seem not don't seem to be the ones that make the most progress technologically and kind of scientifically and economically in that sense as well. So what I just kind of, what do you got? Because I know that you guys are a bit more technology focused mm. than I am. and I know Count that, me out. I'm, well, I, and, and I, know, I know that work, Tammy, work you did processing
4: it. I can manage, but that's I, about my... I think mood. I'm on the same level as you there, to be <laughs> fair. I know that Tammy,
0: you did a fantastic article for Libertarian Home talking about how if we don't have freedom of speech, then we kind of regulate ourselves to kindergarten. Yes. We kind of regulate ourselves to, we kind of come out of the grown-up world and we live in a world that fits for children. Would you mind just saying why it is you think that, or kind of what your reasoning was behind that?
2: First of all, thank you for the compliment. Um, I think that at the moment that we become safe, there's no human development, because human development comes from the adaptation and evolution of hardship or through hardship you can say and at the moment that you remove the right to offend someone because of your ideas you're padding them in a bubble where they cannot grow and that's what's happening to our society we went from the punk rock movement which I consider was a teenage era of, of um, humanity where we tore down things we had tattoos and colored hairs and all of that and we were rebels. So the society, you know, had this rebel section that wanted to cause outrage and um, just break down concepts and paradoxes. And it did. But then they became the adults. And somehow, we entered the kindergarten area where we need safe spaces, we need, you uh, need safe speech and all of that. And I think that that's, that's gonna kill creativity that's going to kill endeavors that you know entrepreneurs anything like that because if you look at human history it was outrageous ideas that made us go forward look at copernicus look at galileo galilei they they were not people that thought like the status quo and they were not accepted for what they said it was the outrage of what they said that caused people to think and i think that's essential and that's
0: yeah. what we're losing. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
4: I mean, I'd mean, echo that, that, that you, you talked about thinking. I think that without freedom of speech, the very act of thinking becomes rather difficult. Uh, you, it's impossible to separate thought from social interaction with other people and potentially with other people who don't agree with you or who see things slightly differently or add things that you haven't thought of. I mean, just imagine if you if you grew up the first five years of your life not able to talk to anybody. Your brain would be permanently... I believe I mean, this is the science of it, isn't it? That yeah, the, the first two to three years are crucial. Your brain just isn't going to work from then on. Um, I Speaking, I don't know if this is true of anybody else, but one of the things I quite often do when I'm wandering around London, which I like to Let's do, study is that I often talk aloud to myself. I imagine myself in conversation with somebody. Um, sometimes, rather grandiloquently, being in, being interviewed by some very <laughs> famous interviewer. But the well,
3: the, the principle,
4: that <laughs> the the way you, well, one of my favourite little gags is, "How do I know what I think until I hear what I say?" It's a good joke, I think, even though you didn't laugh. But I, I think it's funny. But I also think it's true. I think it's wise. I think it's, I think there's there's an important idea there that that the very act of measuring this idea against that idea is done by talking often only to yourself i mean i that's what thinking is
0: it's talking with yourself and yeah. with an imagined companion i mean i definitely second that I And mean, i think sometimes i'll be sat there at home and or i'll go for a walk and i'll think of this fantastic idea i'll have kind of solved this issue that these experts have been working for years to solve, and then there's me kind of walking to the shops to get some milk, and but I've managed to solve it in my head. And then I'll say to my girlfriend, Oh, I've managed to solve this issue. I've had this fantastic idea, and she'll look at me with her loving eyes and just say, That's fucking stupid. Like why why do you why do you think that? And what she's doing there is providing actually a very valuable service. Which is, she's being kind of a someone who I can project my ideas on and get feedback from. I remember, I can't remember which year this was. If anyone knows it off the top of my head, please let me know. It was when this fella in South Carolina uh, called Dylan Roof, he murdered a load of black churchgoers with a, with a shotgun. I don't know what year that was. But he before he did that, he... Released this manifesto, and I read the manifesto, and the thing that really stood out for me—it was all—it kind of, was obviously pretty crazy stuff, not surprisingly. But I couldn't help thinking, this is the mind of somebody who has never spoken about these ideas with anybody else. You can just tell that. This person has never discussed things with anybody. He's never sat down with his mates and his friends have never said, you know, Dylan, you're just talking absolute bollocks. Why do you think that black people need to be expunged from the United States? It was crazy. Well, it might be more subtle than that. They
4: might say something, well, you've got you know 15% of a point here but on the other hand that yeah. uh, this doesn't follow from what you just said that might be right but this isn't a, you know it's splitting, ha- having a proper conversation about it yeah yeah. yeah and that's all how I, that. yeah and that's how ideas yeah.
0: develop mm. so that's how ideas okay. develop i'm going to read for you mm. this is an article that was written in the guardian um, pretty recently i w- I won't mention the poor fella's name but i'm just going to read you all a quote the article was called we all know that free speech hurts people so why do we allow it I'm going to read you a quote. This is the end of the article.
2: Trigger warning.
0: Trigger, yeah, oh, yeah, trigger warning. If you, yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Just trigger on your own quiet, please. Right, okay, so... <laughs> Useful liberals have swallowed the two freedom of speech myths as a whole. The redefinition of the term to encompass not only freedom from persecution, but the right to a platform, and the delusion that freedom of speech is a neutral principle, uncontaminated by history or social bias. There are hard choices here. Too often, those who should know better, the the, the people who should know better are left-wing people who defend freedom of speech in this case. Those that should know better (coughs) argue for the wrong choices. They fight to the deaths to defend the rights of people like Michelle Bachmann and others to peddle hate, but they won't get my support. Now, that for me pretty much summarizes this kind of modern case against freedom of speech. Well, what do you guys make of that? That actually freedom of speech isn't free because if you're from, if you're a, in America, if you're a white person and you're telling, you're saying racist things about black people, Because of your, you know, the history of slavery and because of all the social, racial discrimination. That's actually not freedom of speech. Where do you, what do you guys make of that? Because I know, I'll tell you what I make of it. (laughs) But, I mean. Well,
4: it is freedom of speech. Um, Yeah. Saying obnoxious things is freedom of speech. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, And the answer to oppressed people is for them to have more freedom of speech, not for for the people arguing against them to have less. Um, on the question that this might be a good moment to bring in another reservation about freedom of speech, which is uh, one of my favourite talks I've ever heard was given by a, a South African lawyer called Leon Lowe, and it was published by the Libertarian Alliance, or one of them, it doesn't matter which, go looking. <laughs> uh, and, and he gave a talk in 1984, very appropriately, about about law and libertarianism. And one of the claims he made was that you cannot have principles which don't have grey areas attached to them. I mean, there must be a point at which words are so inextricably linked to action as to amount to an exercise in power, and in this case, I hope we will all agree, illegitimate and utterly wrong power. I mean, it, it isn't a defense of Hitler to point out that he he never actually switched any gas machines himself. He, he merely contrived for others to do it he's still a mass murderer and, he, and i don't know about Mao Zedong. i don't know how personally he got his hands dirty with all that slaughtering that was mentioned by the gentleman over there um he's still a murderer and if he did it all with words that just goes to show that words can be part of murderous actions and it is right that we have crimes like incitement to murder uh, and yes it will be difficult in many cases to decide whether it was true incitement or just somebody blowing off steam or just somebody saying, well, I think he should burn in hell or something like that. The fact that principles are often difficult to apply is no reason to abandon them because all principles without exception can be difficult to apply. And the principle of freedom of speech is no different. And there are borderline cases, but that's no reason to, to junk the whole idea.
0: And that, yeah, that's the thing is, it seems to be a trend that because ideas are problematic, then we should just, you know, they can be problematic. God, I hate we should that just word. I really hate. That you really word. hate the word problematic. problematic. Yes, right. Well, it's it's a new word. It means wicked <laughs> wicked That's what it means. Potentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, just I
4: wish they'd with. say that. <laughs> yeah, but that would sound they sound like <laughs> their grandmothers, <laughs> so they don't want
0: to. Go on, me.
2: Yeah. Uh, I had some point to make, but I got distracted <laughs> by oh. the N word <laughs> coming out of Brian. <laughs> I I wanted to say that going on that. I think that that's a a good example of freedom of speech being distorted. Because if you're gonna make the N-word a bad word, make it a bad word for everyone. Don't excuse Uh, any rapper, any actor, any movie for saying it. If it's gonna be a ban on the word, make it a ban. No, No matter your color, you're not saying it. Otherwise, everyone's free to say it. And I think it's very outrageous that it depends on your skin color for you to say a word without getting punished.
0: There used to be a quote from a very famous African-American well, celebrity really who said that uh, I don't think anybody should say the N-word I think if you say the N-word it kind of perpetuates the kind of myths and kind of horribleness, the wickedness that made racism happen it's just really, I really, really hate the fact that the person that said that was fucking Bill Cosby and now (laughs) to quote... (laughs) <laughs> to say I, I, I'm just going to quote Bill Cosby here really oh. just doesn't go down the same way that it may be five or ten years ago um, Bruno I think you wanted to say something a little yeah, bit more profound the, than Bill on Cosby on the
1: intent aspect of uh, free, freedom of speech There's, there was one case I think it was in, in, in the UK where a guy was in, in the airport and he tweeted he was he was uh, he was going to blow up the airport something like that but he, it was a joke tweet because he was upset because his flight was canceled. And he got persecuted because of that tweet. Really? But in the end, the judge decided that he had no actual intent to blow the airport yeah, up. That's right? the thing we're going to <laughs> come back to later. But yeah, And yeah, I think yeah. that
2: applies to the N-word as well. Yeah. I think it applies to people who want yeah. to actual, actually offend people who don't want to offend. Mm. I think that's valid.
5: I mean, as, as the sponsor, um, I'm going to point out as it is relevant to the issue of context and intent, Brian was giving an example of something that is wicked to say. Yes. I'm going to be really interested to see how many left-wing people call you a a wicked person for giving an example. Well, if it gets our views up from from what they are doing, if if anyone (laughs) is listening to to this, I'm a brown
2: person and I'm not offended.
4: (laughs) (laughs) This, this This is one of the dilemmas the left have. All I can say is bring it on, because I've spent my life trying to attract attention, and if this is how you do it, well, then that's how you do it. I've got a mass of published material, which I've been piling up. Uh, Jordan introduced me as this tremendous libertarian swell. I bet there were half the people in the room going, who, who, this big libertarian spell, never never heard of him, you know, um, and this would draw attention to a lot of, staff I've written, which would which would show that there was no malice yeah. involved, in and it would show so the context and intent yeah, yeah, is
5: yeah. is really. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I have
4: very mixed feelings nothing. about it becoming. Uh, be interesting to see, what oh, but I
0: I'd be prepared to bet nothing. Yeah. Oh, on that note, I think we will open it up to our audience. Does, if does anybody have any questions or anything that they would like to say about what we've said currently? Yeah, um, so just wait for the phone to get shoved into your mouth, and I think we'll take a question from.
6: This gentleman here, Simon. Yeah, go on. Well, it's not really a question, but just a comment. Okay. One thing on on the problematic, so it's called the problematic. So problematic is a term, Mm. but in a lot of uh, humanities departments, and literature departments specifically, they'll talk about the key problematic in something, which Ah. is grammatically incorrect, but that's what they'll try to do. Um, Now, on this topic of free speech isn't really free in terms of consequences, um, one of the main points here is that, and i mentioned some people there earlier as well, but because there are differences between wanting to be able to say something and actually about the level of control you want over other people. So for example, what about people trying to recruit for what is clearly a cult? Now, what about their, their freedom of speech? And the funny thing is that ironically for the cultish behavior on the left, that's prevalent right now, that's what they're actually trying to draw on when they try to claim that you're not allowed to have this speech because you're inciting particular hatred or whatever they're trying to claim that that's what they're really focusing on is that your speech is going to try to create um, a very bad situation for people and gang up against them which is ironically what they're doing in order to shut down the speech but um, i think that's probably the bigger if I may say, the bigger struggle that we have at the moment is that not just to, we don't just have to defend freedom of speech, but we have to actually say, no, freedom of thought and freedom of speech on a person per person level is actually what we really need to go for more specifically.
0: Well, yeah, I completely agree with you, and what we're going to talk about straight after we take the next couple of questions really confirms what you've just said. So, yeah. thank you very much for bringing that up. Does, does anybody else have something to add? Yeah, go on.
3: Um, well, um, um, I studied. Um, American politics when I was at university but what America has is the First Amendment, freedom of speech, which means that you can say pretty much anything you like. Like, for instance the Holocaust was good or it didn't happen or whatever. So, so just there's on, there's
0: Someone tuning into this at the wrong moment has really gone away.
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: The, but, okay. <laughs> but My favourite is, is sorry, the one where they say it didn't happen but it should have. Well,
3: well, the point is, in America, it's pretty much First Amendment, freedom of speech, anything goes. Like, another difference between America and most other places is when you have a court case, you can have loads of information about the court case that you can't in Britain because of the laws about restrictions. So what I'm saying is it would be good if we had a First Amendment here. It means people are able to say awful things. But for me, I think that's better. The American system where... You are allowed to say anything however awful, but but you know, at least at least they're clear about about what what you can and cannot say. At least they don't sort of say, you know, this is all right, that is They didn't. Know. Sorry?
2: They didn't. That is changing very fast in America.
0: Well what um, we tend to what well, we they te- still
3: have the First Amendment, it will be yeah. difficult yeah. to yeah. change. Well, they, they do,
2: but they also have amendments to the amendment yeah. which define
3: Limits to freedom of speech. If the courts yeah. stop these amendments, they won't happen.
0: You know? what, we, what really shocks me about this whole thing, and with the KCL libertarian thing as well, is that it's not necessarily, like, these things tend not to even get to court. And what happened with the KCL libertarians is the university thought, there's too much trouble here. We're just going to shut this down. This is more trouble than it's worth. The furore that this is going to cause is just going to be not worth it. And again, what happened with the Jacob Rees mug talk is the university just said, well, oh my God, we really can't be bothered with all this fa- faffing around with protesters. Let's just shut the event down. And w- what we're going to come on to in a little bit, we'll talk about Tommy Robinson, is when we have the, the police in this country saying, you know, instead of allowing this to go ahead, it's just easy just to shut the whole thing down and that and it's not just Tommy Robinson has been affected by that, so we'll come on to that in a little bit. Right, do we have one more question then before we go on? One more question? No? Just, you don't, you don't do have you to? This minor correction? Yeah, yeah, go on then.
7: The first amendment applied only to the, state, to the federal government. Until 1950s, Like blasphemy was, in most states, illegal. Okay. It was textbook with law. It slowly started to be the case, and the rule of the federal government became applied to the state government. Right. So it wasn't freedom of speech, it was just... Censorship of was a state matter. The well, federal government
3: right. couldn't do it. Oh, okay. 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 Right,
0: okay. Make law, it? Yeah. Right, so what we're going to do now is we are going to talk about a few really troubling... Now, when I was doing the... Well, well when we were preparing for this talk, I was reading over some of the things that have happened not that long ago in this country. Most of the things that I'm gonna, we're going to talk about have happened this year. So this is stuff that's bringing it right up to the present day. And we're going to talk about the freedom to be offensive, which is a freedom I think we've exercised quite liberally already in this discussion with our references to the Holocaust and pornography and racism and that kind of stuff. But I'd just like to kick off with Count Dankula. Now, Count Dankula, again, if you've been living under a rock for the past few months, Count Dankula is... A Scottish YouTuber who makes pretty close to the wire offensive remarks in his YouTube videos. He was involved in an incident, call it that. Well, it's a crime. It is it a crime, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was convicted. Yeah, yeah, he was convicted. Um, of his, his girlfriend bought a pug dog, which he thought was hideous. And he said, I'm going to make this pug dog hideous so that you have to return it to the dog shelter. So he said to the dog... Oh, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I'm laughing at someone who, uh, a crime that someone's done. He said, I'm going to turn the dog into a Nazi. So on command, he trained the pug to seek Heil" every time he said, gas the Jews. Now, this man, Count Dankula, or Mark Meachin, as his actual name is, was arrested for it. He, yeah. the police came into his house and they arrested him and they convicted him. Does Does anybody? I was really trying to find it. earlier. Do, does anybody know the sentence that he got? Because I just know that he was convicted, but he's also still on Twitter, so I don't know. Does anybody know the no, sentence uh, that Meach? It
6: was postponed. It was adjourned for sentencing. Adjourned for sentencing. The judge indicating that a jail, jail sentence may be involved
0: really okay right thank you thank you very
1: much I, I couldn't find for the life of me what he'd been sentenced to so so, so thank you so there you can see the the uh, intent right and you you can also see the lack of sense of humor uh, yeah. from the, this mean... judge in particular because we were all laughing as you were describing it and it's uh, of course that depending on the way you look at it it, it can be uh, kind of offensive it's close but to the light was, but it was a practical joke right yeah. from beginning to end it was a practical joke and it it achieved its goal because we were all laughing about it right we were not laughing about actual jews being gassed we were just laughing about the about the, the fact gold. that yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, gold, uh, yeah. yeah right?
2: if i may say the best jew jokes i've ever heard came from jews israeli jews yeah so yeah i i really i really think that whoever whoever is persecuting Count Kula or give, the sentence is coming out on the 23rd of April by oh, the way all right, so okay. you, it the, might we, be
4: jail. We, we're allowed to say something's in shockingly bad taste and and we don't want to have anything to do with somebody who says something and I think it's reasonable that we regard it as the province of Jews to make the best jokes about the Holocaust. I mean I wouldn't wade into something like that in mixed company um, and I also think it, it's a good principle that white people shouldn't be flinging the word nigger I mean, I, I, I. Sorry, I just did it again. <laughs> I just did it again. I it all the time. Right? Yeah, why, but, this. Well, what, I. I get it. You know? I, I was it, told
2: that the English had a, a very particular sense of humor, but I, I thought that irony and sarcasm were understood here. Yeah, well, clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what
0: is happening? Why? How can you have a situation where someone is literally being put in jail for a joke? Well, it's. I mean, been, isn't it, isn't happening? The, the legal principle that.
4: That if somebody chooses to be hurt by some words, then it becomes a crime. It sets yeah.
0: such a dangerous
4: precedent for... Yeah. I mean, I find the law itself offensive,
0: yeah. So yeah. I'm hurt and
4: I'm hurt by yeah. it. And deeply I want hurt the person the law. who passed the law to go to prison
0: for having offended me. I mean, I'm, it's yeah. just... I'm, hurt. I, I remember I'm, I'm I'm triggered. <laughs> <I think so? laughs> if you think you, you, about it, the, the crime... I was thinking about this earlier. Now, I'm a massive fan of the comedian Frankie Boyle. Who yes. is very, very left-wing, but that doesn't—I'm still a fan of him. He me says awful too. things about Tory politicians. I'm still a fan of him. What Count Dankula did doesn't even register on the scale of what Frankie Boyle talks about in his sellout stand-up shows. It seems yeah. to me now, I'm going to kind of be a little bit devil's advocate here and say it almost looks like the crime that Meachin committed was being right-wing. If he did this joke and it turned out he was a member of Momentum and he was actually transgender or something. They wouldn't have been convicted of this crime. It almost seems like the crime he committed was being on the wrong side of politics, which does worry me a lot. I think it's worth pointing out that,
4: that this is not a new thing. The British police have always been more concerned about what they call keeping the peace than they have about... Uh, upholding the niceties of the right of of anyone to say what they want. And they often regard provocative statements as breaches of the peace, not unreasonably, because often they do kick off a, a big drunken brawl in a pub. Their priority is keeping the peace, and it always has been. And every generation thinks that talks about the police not they don't they don't specifically believe this but they talk as if there once was a golden age when the police didn't behave like this to anybody but they always have they've yeah. always been you know i mean i heard stories about the way away fans to football matches were treated by the police people would arrive in, in manchester in a train and they'd just be locked up for the weekend yeah I, it was, why because they were keeping the peace never mind about human rights or people having paid for the match They were keeping the peace, and that's what mattered to them. Yeah.
2: And that's the start of the kindergarten era. This this
4: was in the
0: 1950s, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying, yeah.
2: Well, I I just think that um, if you're not able to take a joke, Hmm. you're not able to make a joke. Well, if the
4: police judge that you've made a joke in a group of people who are not able to take a joke, and they then beat you senseless, they've failed that evening. You know, their job is to stop this sort of stuff erupting. And my... And one of the simplest way is to shut people up who, yeah. who provoke trouble. That, that's the way they see it, and they so, always have. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, they always have,
2: and they'll carry on doing as they're doing with the knives now. And yeah. I've 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 come to, to the conclusion that um we'll we'll be given plastic knives for putting Mm. butter on our bread. The other day I was um, asked for an ID at Poundland for buying a pizza slicer. (laughs) (laughs) That was absolutely ridiculous. And apparently it's policy, company policy now, that anything that has cutting edges has to be.
4: The point about Britain is it's not a land of unmitigated freedom. It's also the land where people are terrified of what they call making a scene. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you God. know, we're the people who didn't go to America because we were too frightened. You know? Yeah. We're yeah. too timid. It
0: just we were the ones who said, oh, well, oh, you know, what can you do? On a positive, though, because of all this, it does seem to me like this is the issue where we as libertarians can get wind under our sails and we can actually now... There is clearly a threat to free speech and there is clearly we should clearly be at the forefront of championing that. So I'm hoping that as a result of this, people will collectively knock their heads together and say, this has gone too far now. You know, this is... I'm kind of hoping that people will be able to think, you know, this
1: is, we, we need to do something about this impingement on freedom of speech. I think this whole uh, trying to keep people quiet about some matters, especially from the left... It is a kind of a double thing they have. It is the best example I can find of double thinking, which is they they are extremely pessimistic uh, about human nature in general because they think that, oh, if we allow those people to say those things, everybody's going to be convinced and then everybody's going to be uh, in line with them, yeah. right? Which yeah. goes against... One of their biggest principles as well, which is democracy. So you you want the same old, uh, same evil people to vote and rule society through democracy, right? It, it is double thinking. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. So what uh, another issue we have with freedom of speech is I'm going to kind of lump these people all together, which is perhaps a little bit unfair, is... I can't remember again when it was, but Lauren Southern, who is kind of like an ex-libertarian conservative now. Yeah, yeah, alt-right YouTuber. And Brittany Pettiborn, who I have no idea who Brittany Pettiborn is. She's also an alt-right. And they were banned from coming into the country. And Tommy Robinson, now I'm just going to take a survey of the room now. Hands up if you're happy to call Tommy Robinson a libertarian hero. One. Yes, one, and Maybe. one and a half. If Tommy <laughs> Robinson again if you don't know he's a he was the leader is. was he the leader of the English Defence League which is a semi if I don't know how to describe they they are sort of like an anti-immigration protest group essentially.
5: Now there was
0: a video that went round did the rounds on Twitter about Tommy Robinson attending Speaker's Corner and it was just absolute carnage. There were so many people there and there were so many police members there. Uh, Katie Hopkins, I think, who is not a woman I have any sympathy for in 99.9 cases. But she was, I think, assaulted or someone did something or was shouting some pretty nasty slurs at her in her face. And again, the the police ended up shutting down this event because as soon as Tommy Robinson arrived at the Speaker's Corner... He was essentially carted away in a police van. It's again, going back, back to what we were saying earlier, is about keeping the peace. That the police That's what they were doing. The, the police just did not want this thing to happen. They just were scared about the potential outrage or the issue it would cause. And then again, it just leads us into a dark place when people just can't say well, they've got to say, essentially. Mm. Right, so we are approaching the end of the podcast now. We have been talking for a very long time. So what I would like to do, just for the last time, is there anybody that would like to say anything or ask any questions? And if you've got something that you think is maybe more of a complex question, again, please leave it because we can still just take say questions say, I after I the podcast. This man's
4: question, I want to come back to him about regulated... Yeah, by I mean, property. But I'd be happy to yeah. come back I be to talk with yeah. 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 but, but I, way, I do but know, I th-
0: but I do know that just before we finish, I know that Simon did want to say something about the King's College Libertarian issue. Yeah, well, you m- might have to come just a little bit closer, Simon, sorry.
5: I think there's two things that we really need to get oh. our heads around. And that the, the, f- the first one is that... In order to, su- to succeed at discovering the truth and resolving social problems, we need to be willing to listen to the other side. So we need to give the time of day. And um, I know me and Jordan um, differed on, on whether to stage a stunt, for example, uh, or a protest, not on the same stage as Tommy Robinson, but but we were, I think we were disagreeing over whether to have an event that was competitive with Tommy Robinson yeah. or complementary to Tommy Robinson. Um, I wanted to be complimentary to Tobin Robertson and, 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 and not uh, try and steal people from his event because I think there needs to be, we need to conduct ourselves in, in, in a way that leaves open a dialogue. So if we deliberately chose to have a competitive time for our event, then it would be saying that it's a choice. You're either a Tommy Robertson guy or you're not a Tommy Robertson guy. You can't be a Tommy Robertson guy and be curious about what the libertarians have to say. And you can't be a libertarian and curious about what Tommy Robinson has to say. So if you if you were to deliberately choose to put your events on at the same time, then you're being exclusive. You're being divisive. Um, so I think there's that element of just wanting, just having your ears open, and 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 you you have to you have to be willing to listen, even to the people that you really do find offensive, like um, whoever wrote that law about not being offensive. Um, <laughs> And um, the other thing is that, that when this breaks down and when people like at KCL come in and they, and they kind of, I mean, the, the head of security, he looks a bit like Brian. Can you imagine someone masked in black coming over and, and, and pulling Brian out of his seat and wrestling with him? That is a violent act. That is an incredibly violent act. And we should have no tolerance for that. And... I think I would go further. I think that if we have a situation where someone came in here with a megaphone and prevented this event from occurring with the with the sheer volume of their megaphone, that that is also uh, an infringement of our rights. you can split hairs about whether it's violent. Certainly, it's really loud. It's going to hurt your ears. Um, you can split hairs about whether that's violent, but it's certainly an infringement of your freedom of action and freedom of speech. And um, I, I, I think we need to make use of the available laws to. Uh, and we need to be putting pressure on the police to just say that if someone's going to uh, do either of those things, then they need to be locked up and they need to be thrown in jail. Um, so have your ears open. Be prepared to be kind and listen and, and be inclusive. And then when when you, when the other person is not doing that, lock them up. Have yeah. zero tolerance for intolerance.
0: Yeah. I mean, just to kind of finish up, I think that Simon raises a, a really, really good point there that this is something that libertarians can get practically involved in even if it is i know that you know that there is people that are potentially trying to bring litigation against the people that disrupted the kcl talk but this is something that you can get involved in this is something i think that really should light a fire under all of our asses really that should make it uncomfortable enough that we all kind of do something and i think that this really could be a watershed moment for free speech and libertarianism if we manage to get our, get our act together essentially. gone.
2: Um, just to finish up what we were speaking about, freedom of speech, I think that stripping people of the rights to speak is the same as stripping them of their humanity because what makes us human is the ability of reaching out in the chaos of our minds and formulating our thoughts with the use of words. If they're good, if they're bad, that doesn't matter because whatever comes out of the chaos of the abstract of our minds is mixed and at the end neutral somehow Uh, bad ideas and good ideas have their place in the world and their job to do even horrible ideas have their silver linings and their lessons to teach so if you're being stripped of your freedom of speech you're being stripped of your humanity
0: well we started with pornography. We finished with humanity, which some would argue is probably the same thing anyway. Anyway, we've been dust of Liberty. Uh, we upload podcasts regularly onto iTunes and onto SoundCloud and on the Libertarian Home page if you want to listen to any future podcasts. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for listening.
2: Thank you
0: very much. Oh, I didn't press record.
3: That's no. <laughs> <laughs>